from the American Tobacco Historic District in downtown Durham, this is Due South on WUNC. I'm Leonita Inge. North Carolina has seen a rise in flu cases over the past couple of weeks, in addition to an increase in RSV cases. In fact, one child recently died in the state from complications associated with the flu. Whether or not to get the flu vaccine, the latest COVID vaccine, or both, is on the minds of many people. My co-host Jeff DeBerry tries to get some answers to those questions. He recently spoke with Dr. Cameron Wolf, an infectious disease expert at Duke University School of Medicine. Dr. Wolf is also a member of the Duke Human Vaccine Institute. I want to talk about how this virus season is shaping up thus far. We have the potential triple threat of flu, COVID-19, and RSV. What are you seeing now, and what do you anticipate could transpire this fall and winter? So, you know, we've been sort of talking about a triple threat for a couple of years now, I guess, haven't we, in terms of things that might, uh, those three viruses that might, might appear. And actually, for the last couple of years, it was really sort of purely covid Last year maybe gave us our first heads up as to what to expect this year when we started seeing the co-circulation of all three of those viruses, although the timing was a bit unusual. If people remember back 12 months ago, it occurred actually sort of a month or two earlier. This year, I think sort of my expectations and I think many's would be that it's going to revert back to perhaps a little more of a quote-unquote normal season, which means, you know, influenza starts uh, spiking locally here in sort of December, January, and often pushes through sort of March. We have, however, still seen, you know, a continued trickle of COVID cases, less than what we were seeing perhaps a month or two ago, but it's still very much here now. And uh, the South in general has actually had a an earlier than usual RSV hmm. increase. The reasons for that I don't think are entirely clear right now. Okay. Uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, recommends everyone six months and older stay up to date on their flu shot and COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, Any pushback there or are you in agreement with the CDC? No, I think that makes complete sense. You know, one of the one of the debates early on was how hard do you push? And I think certainly, you know, I am uh, I, I hold a more compelling argument with my older adults or immunosuppressed adults to make sure that they can particularly take notice of that. But you know, everyone will gain some incremental benefit. And I think that's really the the, the, the okay. gist behind that CDC recommendation. Okay. So that's certainly true. Let's, uh, let's set aside COVID for the moment, talk about the flu shot. Tell us why we should get this flu shot, especially those of us uh, who are, you know, perhaps lucky enough, fortunate enough to otherwise be in good health. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of motivating factors. Number one, this this season um, predictably actually may be quite a good match. We look often to the Southern Hemisphere to sort of say, okay, what circulated there six months ahead of us, and therefore how does that predict how our vaccine is going to match up? Um, and actually it was really good in the Southern Hemisphere this year. So I'm hopeful that that sort of translates to actually some pretty good protection. I, mean, I think there's two reasons. Look, people either can sort of fall to me in the camp of you're at a, a high individual risk of a, of a troublesome outcome with flu. Maybe you have you know, bad lung or heart disease. Maybe you've had uh, you know, immunosuppression or you're an older adult. I think the other group is, frankly, people who um, either really want to be careful about not passing on flu to co-workers or high-risk family members or simply don't want it to interrupt their plans through the summer like I, I through the winter vacation I mean I'm you know a young and fit and healthy guy and for the most part and yet I don't want to pass this to my patients I don't want to interrupt my family's sort of Christmas plans right. for being out for 
four or five days with influenza. And so I think whilst my individual risk may be different, it doesn't take away from the fact that I can still gain a lot of benefits and sort of it's almost like a a, a life continuity sort of approach to, right. to viewing the way that this can help. Dr. Cameron Wolf here on Due South. He's an infectious disease expert at Duke University. We're chatting about flu season and inoculations. Uh, real quick on the holiday timing of things we've got. Christmas in the queue. Hanukkah's coming up. Uh, I've got a birthday. I don't know if you knew that, but there are a lot of important things in the next couple of months. From a timing perspective, what do you recommend, if anything, in terms of, of trying to tee this up in a way that makes sense as you think about yourself and your, your loved ones? Yeah, it's a terrific question. So, it um, you know, there's probably two things that factor into that. Um, number one, it takes typically sort of we think of 10 to 14 days for, for any vaccine, particularly flu, to have its sort of biggest impact. And so I, you know, usually try and recommend to people, look, if you've got some critical event like your birthday or Christmas, Hanukkah, what have you, like make sure you're doing it in, well in advance of that so you're actually getting some protection for the time that you need. I think the second thing is simply when does the virus actually arrive? Now is a really good time if people hadn't already, in fact, been vaccinated. And part of that is, again, coming out of last year when flu arrived much earlier than we expected, I don't have perfect vision that that isn't going to be the case again. And so sort of getting a vaccine in ahead of any potential circulation makes sense. The current vaccines hold up and maintain their effect for, for many months and for the average person will get you well through a full season. So you, you really can't go too early, but recognizing it takes a good few weeks for it to sort of get its full benefit. You don't expect a vaccine today to give you protection for someone who might sneeze on you in two days' time. If you don't have health insurance, can you still get these shots at low or no cost? Yeah. So, you know, there are there are state and federal programs that certainly allow um, vaccination to be widely available. And so, you know, for most people that would involve um, still either a trip to their primary care physician or actually these days flu shots are widely available through pharmacies who will often try and sort of give in, or in fact supermarkets will give incentives for you to get their vaccine there. You know the health departments here in Durham, Orange County, Wake also have a, a pretty robust supply and can be uh, can be a good port of call too for someone who you know may not be connected to a, an otherwise big healthcare system or a primary care doc. So generally speaking really finances shouldn't get in the way of that you know, we're yet to see how that plays out for COVID and RSV because there are differences in the way they're being rolled out this year. COVID for the first time is on the private market as opposed to the previous years when it was government supplied. So there's a little bit of unknown there. But again, I, I, I wouldn't use that as a discouraging factor. Up front. There is, of course, a, a large growing, perhaps discontent and uh, dissent when it comes to vaccinations, inoculations. Uh, I don't want to relitigate all of that right now, but I am interested for you as an infectious disease uh, doctor. I'm going to use the word expert here. I mean, this is your this is your path. When you cross paths with a, an anti-vaxxer or somebody who has some argument for you or says, no, I'm, I'm not going to get the flu vaccine, what is your simple message for them? You got to approach people and where they're coming from. And so, you know, the first question I would always ask is, to try and understand why why that position is strongly held for them. You know, have they had a vaccine in the past and felt they got sick from it? Was that because we vaccinated them too late and they got actual real flu as a result? That was a common issue to five, 10 years ago. Well, you know, have they heard mixed messages um, through the media over the duration of COVID that sort of distorted their view of the accuracy of how these vaccines work? And I think for many people that can be, you know, a, an entry point into sort of re-navigating them to the real benefits. 
you know, sometimes people respond better, frankly, to different messages. And again, if I'm a, talking to a young 25 year old small business owner, like my message to them, frankly, is, you know, I, I want you to have small business continuity. I don't want you to be out sick for a week. I don't want you to come down with long COVID. That may be a different message, frankly, than the message I'm trying to sell the 75 year old who's, who's, who's clearly got very different risks. Right. So I think you can paint it different ways. Yeah. I think there is a reality that COVID gave us often confusing messages in terms of how frequently and how many vaccines we would need and which ones were better and what have you. And that's part of a pandemic that we sort of have to work our way through. The future here is actually a little brighter because I think there's a lot of good work being done now to combine some of these viruses to single vaccines. So, for example, a couple of years down the road, we may actually be in a position where I can give you like your one respiratory viral vaccine ahead of the winter and that'll cover flu COVID and potentially RSV and that would certainly not only make it easier for patients but surely make it logistically easier for healthcare systems very interesting however that's not the reality right now and if you want to be that's not this year inoculated against uh, COVID with the booster flu and RSV it's three different shots now the CDC says you can get those three shots at the same time the CDC says that's okay but anecdotally I have heard I've got some colleagues here at WNC uh, who have had multiple shots, and they feel quite crummy afterward. How come? You know, we certainly are very used to our bodies being stimulated by multiple different things on the same time. So there's no reason why you can't actually have multiple vaccines at once. In fact, there's been good studies, some of which here at Duke, that show that the, the combined benefit is the same, whether you give them separately or, or together. I think what people feel, though, is that they feel sometimes the the combined challenge of multiple vaccines leads to increased side effects potentially for that first 24 48 hours and so i give people a balance i tell them to say look in the optimal world if you um, have all the time in the world and you're willing to come back let's sequence these three vaccines out a week or two apart for each one and that way you minimize your individual side effects but we're still going to get you protected conversely there's some people who you know, it's very hard for them to get to a clinician's office. So they can't make it as easily. Maybe they've got kids at home and simply getting to the pharmacy is going to be a real challenge. And for those folk, I think it's important to know that there is no added safety or efficacy difficulty in giving COVID and flu together. It's it's well studied. And, and again, your response to each of those viruses is, is the same if you give them together or not. So you can go either way. And I think it really depends on an individual decision. Dr. Cameron Wolf is an infectious disease expert at Duke University School of Medicine. Dr. Wolf, thank you. Hey, thanks so much, Jeff. I really appreciate the chance. I'm Jeff Tabiri. Do South continues in a moment.